0: Brother. That was the biggest song in Ireland of all time, wasn't it?
1: You know what song you're talking about.
0: It's about all I have.
1: I'll have to go with that song.
0: So that song I was thinking about the other day. Remember that song? Who's in the house? Jesus in the house. <laughs> <laughs> what was that all about?
1: I remember that song either.
0: That was a, That was another.
1: I know. Was that? I thought that was just like a a line, like a. No. Was a line.
0: This comedian for uh, uh, dressed up as Jesus or a priest or something, and that was the song. Mad old times back in the day.
1: Oh uh, yeah, easy times, uh, good times. For,
0: uh, <laughs> I was in the same I conversation. I was thinking about that song. I think it was a. Uh, I've been to Ballyhooly, but I've never been to Mead.
1: We've <laughs> so. lost most of our listeners <laughs> at this point.
0: Right. Sh- shout outs to non- non-Irish listeners. Uh, Dustin the Turkey, who we, uh, <laughs> we sent to represent us at the Eurovision Song Contest, had an album, I'd say circa 92, 93, 94. And it was a very good album. God love
1: him. <laughs> In all fairness, it was actually pretty good.
0: Some, uh, some stellar numbers on it, but uh, that song stood out to me. Never been to Mead. <laughs> Maybe I'd never been to Mead at the time. Yeah. And the, sorry, and just to, to preface all this, the reason all this came up was because of the Garth Brooks concert, that, uh, the Garth Brooks movie that was on recently. Dad found the album Chris Gaines' Greatest Hits and sent it to me. And that is a stellar album but at least one song in it lost a new classic song. Anyways. Uh,
1: and next week's
0: my, my music journey. roundup.
1: <laughs> Eric Radio. actually does have just for our listeners decent enough taste of music. That the <laughs> <laughs> selection he just pulled out there maybe doesn't <laughs> reflect it.
0: That last one minute might be, uh, don't hold me to that one. Right. So the last podcast, we kind of done a little bit of reflection and said, even if I had done four months of Jiu-Jitsu where instead of the COVID, I, I feel like I still probably wouldn't have been good enough to win the tournament. So it made me think, and I jumped back and I hadn't updated my dashboard in in a while because there was nothing to update. But I went back into jujitsu in the last couple of weeks and I, I jumped on my dashboard there last week and... If if people can recall the earlier episodes, we done some baselining of where my game and my jujitsu was at, and I kind of revisited that baseline to see how things are looking. So a quick little refresher. We basically had a, a, a scale of ratings, one to 10, uh, one being know to see it but can't apply it.
1: So this was uh, with respect to specific techniques.
0: Yeah. And and, and around a game, it get more gamey as you we went up through it. For instance, five had I regularly have had success with it and even against higher bells. And then eight, this is my game. And then we got to ten. They named the move after me. <laughs> no, nine and ten ten was always going to be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I didn't come up with the James guard or Anthony in the last few uh, Few yeah. weeks, but but anyway, baseline um, myself back in when it was a January early early enough in this journey, and even though with four months four months out, I revisited my ratings against a lot of these. So I give you a bit of an example, right? Some things that stayed static. Getting grips, my baseline uh, in January, I give myself a four. It was a go-to and habitual in the right situation. I've still given myself a four. You know which is to say I, I haven't uh, had success with it against higher belts regularly. So I didn't feel like I've, I've, I've jumped up there. It's not as if I'm breaking or getting grips better than I was on purple belts and things like that. So I'm still about right. But I'll give you an example of something that has improved my single leg. So at the time I got myself a one, I know it to see it, but can't apply it. That's that's my single leg. Now I've given myself a three. Uh, I've applied it with some success and confident I could use it again. You know, I'm I'm not a million miles off of four, but I definitely have improved on my single leg. I didn't. I I never went for a single leg in January prior to January. Never even went for one. Now i will try and catch one. Still not excellent at them, but hence the hence the three rating. Here's one. Drop to knees for passing. I have applied it with some success and confident I could use it again. Now I'll give myself a five. So that's to say I regularly has, have success with it and sometimes against higher belts too. And that's just to say that, you know, if there's any pass that I get on, on higher belts, it would be dropping to my knees in some form of a bit of an over-under. I'll get passed. Now, not to say I'll do much when I passed, but mm. it's it's one that I have some success with. But then... Yeah, it goes down long. and like there's, I don't think there's anything this went backwards. Uh, looking at my ratings here. If anyone cares to view the ratings, you can jump on to Eco Behavioral Designs Instagram, Mark's Instagram, and you'll find this document. But the other things that improved, I give myself a one on a baseball bat choke. Now I give myself a three. So it's definitely, so, when you look at the two columns, the ratings in January and the ratings now, and accounting for the fact it was you know essentially four months off the mats. There's definitely progress been made, and I feel like I, I remember in January I didn't know what a, what my game was. What is? What am I supposed to be doing? Do I have a game? I was kind of articulating it like I think it's top position, heavy pressure, which really was like when I look back at it now it was kind of like an easy thing to say this and that, you know. But now I've kind of committed to. Arm triangles and that kind of front headlock has been an area I want to kind of deep dive on over the next year or so, and you know by the time the next World Masters comes around in August 2021, I'll uh, I'll really have a game. I hope.
1: So, what are you admitting to us there, Eric? Does that um, suggest that you're in? Again, for the next year.
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, when I look back on the year, I didn't have to make huge commitments. And maybe that's the reason that I felt that I wouldn't have won anyways. But I was definitely moving every day. I was doing some form of training every day. I was doing all the Jiu-Jitsu I could that was available to me and in my own stuff, at my own time. So I don't think Anthony's necessarily going to change between now and next year. And it's not like, oh that fell off, therefore I go back to not doing jujitsu or I let's put on loads of weight or I'm just gonna continue as I'm doing and you know, the outcome <laughs> if my behavior is designed and in, in the way it is now and my habits are what they are and my my you know, obviously who knows what the next year holds, but I hope it's just a thing that I just end up doing anyways, you know. I'm not gonna for, for people that uh yeah we're not going to necessarily talk about it all again for a year on the podcast, but uh, if we're, if we're doing season two on other subject matter, maybe the odd update.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it'd be interesting. A little journey to have in the background there for sure. But I'm just thinking how valuable it was actually to have your game, to have the strategy you had in advance of settling into the lockdown, because it, you still had something to focus on, right? That was quite specific. And like, there's a bit of recon involved in kind of getting your game together and having a sense of what works and what won't work. And like a lot of that is done on the mats, but a lot of it can be done absent the mats, right? If you know, okay, I'm in this position a lot, I need to know a few positions from this position or a few counters or whatever. You know, haven't done that work of specifying your game and... Acknowledging the importance of it, I don't know how do you how does that resonate? Like when you when you were in the lockdown si- situation, the fact of have having a specific set of techniques that you wanted to learn and and the relationships between them.
0: Yeah, well, it was good because you know I think prior to that I would look up whatever you know like think about twenty nineteen. I would have I'd know specific things. It would be whimsical what I would look up on YouTube. Now I'm a little more focused and not to say I'm not willing to learn things outside of what I believe to be my game and my game for the next 18 months or so. I'm still open to learning new things. And that is going to be the nature of the, the classes we do, you know, we'll be progressing through things that aren't necessarily related to my game. And obviously I'm going to continue to learn those bits and pieces, but um, in terms of my own focus and, and whenever time is provided to me, Knowing that I have something in my head and that I wanted to deep dive on is definitely a benefit
1: yeah yeah I'm just thinking there it might be interesting to talk a little bit so in I don't I won't go too technical on this but in the in, a, in my PhD work the, the thing I'm focused on really is 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 habit and is, is at its most basic but if you think about what is a habit in maybe if you're trying to characterize the nature of a habit, right? It's the ability to maintain a kind of stability, but at the same time, be flexible and adaptive, right? So you have something that's relatively invariant, like it's recognizable. You know, you can see something as a pattern of sorts that repeats, that's recurrent. But it's also... Plastic. It's able to adjust. Do you see what I'm getting at? So there's this kind of relationship. I uh,
0: give me an example of how it would, uh, would be plastic. A habit.
1: Well, the nature of a habit is something that arises through recurrence, um, and your habits can change. All right. So there's a plasticity built into the capacity for habituation. Right.
0: Well, yes, the habituation is plastic, but the habit's not plastic, is it?
1: Well, the habit in a sense the the structure right there's a nest of structures within which any habit functions but this this is kind of what i'm getting at actually there's a nest of structure within which any habit functions thinking of an identity as one expression of that nest but that identity is a, an integration of a lot of habits that extends over a longer period of time, All right? So let me build this up, build up the picture a little bit. So if you have a habit, for instance, your ability or your tendency to pick up the soap with your right hand, when you're washing your hands, or you position the soap in such a way and you tend to pick it up with your right hand and it becomes very automatic, right? But that, habit of picking up the soap right is nested it's like a system within a system right so it's nested within maybe a kind of routine of washing your hands in a particular pattern you know when you pick up the soap drying them whatever there's a longer kind of pattern there that's also relatively invariant right it's recognizable in a sense you do something more or less the same each time Then you can have what we talk about as like a micro identity, right? So where the routine is situated in a larger pattern that extends across an even longer timescale, right? So like the pattern of getting ready for bed at night in a particular way. Now that's going to be more adaptable, more flexible than the routine. And the routine is more flexible than the habit of picking up the soap but there's still some recognizable invariance there you know there's some something like a pattern mm. and then from that again you can get a what i call a, a personal identity right so that might just be i am hygienic right <laughs> like i tend to act hygienically now the soap the routine and the and the pattern of washing or say getting ready for bed and enacting your your routine of washing your hands and so on are all, all all nested within that tendency to be hygienic right but that tendency to kind of acquires a, a degree of portability so it's not just specific to particular situations when you go to the airport right and you do your thing or whatever there's an enactment of the same tendency So it's not just specific to a particular situation. It has acquired a degree of portability. Now you can move around different environments and you can still enact more or less the same kind of adaptive response to the environment. Does that all make sense? You're
0: still hygienic in airports.
1: Yeah, you're still, say, relatively hygienic because you've abstracted this general rule, if you will, and that applies more broadly than any of the specific instances. But, you know, anytime you repeat the habit, you also repeat that, or you don't just repeat your ha- the tendency to pick up the soap with your right hand, right? Anytime you do that simple habit, you also reproduce that tendency to be hygienic.
0: Yeah, or reinforce that little bit of identity that you have around.
1: Right, I, so, exactly. So, you're, by acting in the moment, you're reproducing this larger pattern right Mm. that is an identity and if you think about it an identity then is a concatenation or a kind of a kind of weaving together of habits of particular types into this larger structure so your identity as someone who's hygienic doesn't just involve soap it involves you know washing teeth it involves in covid era you know wearing your mask and so on all of those things contribute and reproduce this experience of you as somebody who is this kind of person
0: but i I think i almost think sociality is stronger than that in some ways like it's you talked about it before you've got these outside influences like you might have that identity and if you're in a situation where others are not of the same then you you will shift to, it's more important to you to be aligned, attuned to them than it is to maintain your identity. Well, well th- in, not in every sense, but in a lot of situations.
1: Well, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because this is where creation emerges from, is the tension in the relationship between these patterns. So exactly, this is this is, in a sense, the point of my thesis, right? Is that it doesn't just stop there. The hygiene is not just uh, your individual identity. Like the habit is not just nested in the routine, which is not just nested in the micro-identity nested in the identity. They are also all nested in these social structures, which you could scale up again for a few different things, right? So you have these larger cultural social patterns, maybe family patterns or maybe dyadic patterns in the relationship between two people or maybe patterns within a subgroup, and they're also nested within them, right? And in the same way that you lift up the soap and reproduce the identity at an individual level, for instance, you saying something in a particular way that you say in the context of your group also feeds back into that tendency at the group level. Does that Mm. make sense? Yeah. So you have these patterns within patterns, within patterns, within patterns. Anyway, what I was getting at, by introducing this here is, and why I think it's, I think why the game is a good expression of this is that these patterns are, say, relatively stable, right? Because once they're solidified in a sense, once they're sedimented to some degree, they take on what I talk about in terms of autonomy, which means they become self-producing, right? So, the conscious effort, the kind of reflection upon the pattern, fades away, right? And they just become part of the background that organizes your action, right? They just fade into the background, like a air conditioner that you um, has been gone for a long time. You don't even hear it anymore. It's just part of your kind of experience of whatever is that's taking place in in the present. Um, and I think the the value of like right, talk about it in terms of individu- individuating or individuating a game, right, establishing this identity that is you as a as a particular player is you kind of hand off a lot of the need for conscious reflection to this larger structure that now orients your attention towards the world in very specific ways, right? Yeah. If this thing is concerned with its own reproduction, right, this identity wants to maintain itself in some sense. Some Mm. genuine sense, right? There's a goal built into it. What it does is it makes certain things in your environment very relevant. Yeah. So they stand out from the background of your environment as the thing that you need to focus on. Mm. And like by kind of gathering all that stuff together, right? And individuating this identity as, okay, I am this kind of person that is going to play this kind of game and making that conscious, right? Making that. Transformation of consciousness, conscious. I think you can kind of expedite this this route that emerges anyway, right? Because these things are trying to cohere. You're trying to get these stabilities into your into your life in some sense. Your your body and its relationship in the world depends on them, so they're they're always trying to happen, right? That's why the tension emerges. You know, between your own identities, between you and the group, the tension emerges because there's some more kind of enduring pressure if you will towards coherence mm. so i think in a sense what we're what we're doing by like bringing forth the game and making it explicit and saying okay this is what we're doing is uh, is like almost drawing around the b- drawing the boundaries of what is going what is demanded of you in a sense right you're kind of saying okay we're going to make this thing that's going to take place anyway very conscious and therefore expedited
0: do you ever wonder that when you're 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 so focused on a a game that you will be bad in other areas yeah and what what do you think then like obviously you don't want that to be the case you don't want to end up as a, a black belt and then be exposed when you're moved outside your game. Is your logic, gone?
1: My logic there is, well, if you're getting to sevens and eights in your technique and the, the rate of repetition needed to keep that sharp is not the same as it was needed to get it to the point where it is, well, then you're in a position to expand beyond and be a bit more relaxed and expand your game. Right, I don't think your game just stays this one thing. I think like the value of getting the core game is having this very integrated network from which you can expand. And I do think like, yeah, Yeah. well, who am I to say? Right, who am I to say? Who am I to fucking critique someone like Bernardo Faria? But (laughs) you know, he's known for having a game, and it's very specific and it's very effective. But I don't think for myself. I would enjoy that for the entirety of my career. That's not to say Bernardo is not, you know, a perfectly good black belt in all areas of the game, which I'm sure he is. And he's just world-class at this very specific set of, set of things, but he's a useful example, right? Because he's like, shout some, out to Bernardo. Shout out to Bernardo. He's someone who's very, very known for almost, he'd admit this himself, I'm sure, like being a kind of boring player because you know what's coming.
0: Well, you do know Hodger Gracie as well, like the best grappler ever, by most people's measure. Just in most competitions, mount you and cross collar choke. you. <laughs> no. and just there was one uh, world. He done it. Did he do it to like eight people or something? Just mounted everybody, cross collar choke them, submitted them all, every single person. I might have the exact number around, but it was it's the general idea. But anyway. You know, He's widely regarded as the best scrappler of all time. I'm sure his game is perfectly good in all areas. Like I'm sure you're not gonna like roll into Hodger Gracie Academy in London and, you know, catch him with a spinning go-go platter or something. Yeah, I'm sure his principles are sound enough. You might, well, no, you probably won't do it. You'll never do it.
1: Well, uh, we won't, but you yeah. <laughs> <We laughs> would never do
0: it. There's probably a black belt out there that that, that could no, try. I'm sure, probably sure do it. sure, there once. is. Of course, there is. Do it once, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's not as if to say that he's just going. That's the only thing he does is is mountain in competition, where it's you're at the highest level and you really need to be using your 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 tens, your 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 the thing you are the best at in the world, probably, yeah, that's yeah. when you, you follow, and I suppose that's why Bernardo would do it with his thing. I'm sure if you go to Bernardo's school, he's not just doing uh, over-under passes yeah, all day. <laughs> uh, it's only in, 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 high-level competition where you need to be doubling down on it. Same with Hodger, I'm sure, you know, you go in there and, or uh, Roger, Hodger, I mean, we're now calling him Roger, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> oh, <don't laughs> that, that, that's another podcast. But, uh but if you go to Rogers Academy, uh I'm sure he's not just gonna be mounting you and cross colour choking you. I'm sure he'd be having fun.
1: Yeah, um, it's amazing though. Like the cross colour joke is like the first thing, the first uh submission you learn a lot of the time.
0: It is, uh, but I don't think I've ever, ever cross colour choke anybody.
1: So. Yeah, because you just kind of go, eh, nah, it's fancier things.
0: <laughs> That's exactly it. Like You should watch that actually. Go jump on YouTube and watch him. There's a, I think there's a YouTube video where it shows him mounting and cross collar. Like cross color, getting a cross collar choke on somebody is not easy, especially not for me.
1: That's true. I suppose he has just so many counters and setups and everything that he just works the arms in. So this kind of leads us on to the other bit we wanted to talk about today, which was like. You, you've, in a sense, right? This, this is a question you were just asking or reflecting on, and you know, thinking about a kind of a layering of our learning. You we're know saying, like, okay, you have a good sense of your game now, it's not like you need to add a million other things to it, you just need to get better at the things that you're already doing, right? So, well, that,
0: yeah, and that's it. Assume that in a year's time, so we were right in our call actually, that the ban on essential travel now to the US between Canada, has gone out to September twenty. So it's a, it's a non-event anyways, the, the world, but assuming it's going next year. Yeah. So what would you be doing between now and next year? Like I say, I'll, I'll still be doing my classes. I'll be, still be picking up the bits and pieces, uh, you know, making my fundamentals across all areas sound, depending on what we're doing in class. But moreover, from my own self in my roles and, and whatnot, I'll be, uh, I'll be focused on getting my principles sounder and getting my game honed in, you know, and, and not like you say, not necessarily learning new technique unless it's taught in class and picking up bits and pieces. But from my own perspective, I have enough technique that I know if I could just get good at it, Mm -hmm. for instance, the arm triangles and there's so many different elements to the arm triangles, but like getting a good DARS, good Anaconda, you know, a good head and arm triangle, Really honing them things in, and and you know, I suppose getting to them, different entries to them from different areas. That's a, there's years worth of work there.
1: Yeah, and, you know, like like we were saying that you get to that point of individuation, right? Where all of now, the thing itself, the background takes over a little bit, with respect to all of those things. So we feel like, you know, there's been a bit of success here in terms of really getting a kind of important layer of your learning within uh, within the practice. But we're saying, so both of us have this, you know, graph for the principle conceptual based approach and the value of it. And we've talked about that, you know, loads of times on here. And, you know, there's existing material out there that's really good at actually articulating what those principles are. But one challenge we had for ourselves was thinking, and it's not something we saw kind of laid out, uh, was how do you sequence your learning with respect to those principles? Because there's a lot of them. (laughs) There's, say, 20, 25 core principles, but then there's another 25, 50 half rules, if you want, that... Are principles, in a sense, but maybe at a less, a kind of, you know, a layer of applicability down down the rung or something, down the ladder. And the thing we were thinking was, in the same way that you know Eric kind of discerned that his game was the thing that he needs to focus on, and then kind of stack rank stack ranked his application of himself towards the learning of that game. We're thinking, well can we do something similar with the principles? Cause it seems like it's something that's available to that kind of, uh, understanding. Yeah. So no, I should, yeah. <laughs> do you want to talk about that? a sec? Like?
0: yeah, yeah. So I should say as well, like if you, if you're older, me, a year ago, and you're old with me now, you still think I'm terrible at jujitsu. so like this is not <laughs> it's not like I've come across this wildly oh i'm it's it's really excelled like I'm still getting smashed by the people I always get smashed by i am <laughs> you know it's not as if I've expedited my learning necessarily, but I just was we are thinking about it a little bit more, and it's uh it's definitely given us some better language, I suppose to think about it and 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 ways to articulate it. But yeah, so what we done was we just taught ourselves, and again, shout-outs to the so You know, I'm sure there's there's plenty of holes you could pick in what we do here. It's just our view. But uh, maybe just read out the the the, the principles. Do you want to? I don't know. It's worth reading them all out. But maybe give a sample of of the ones we put down there. No, read okay. them all out. Go on, read out the twenty five, and then because we probably won't be able to go through the whole of the, the what what they mean. But
1: just try. Okay, so we had. Um... Let's say we had base, posture, structure, phases of the guard, passing, choke mechanics, frames, levers, brake mechanics, knee, elbow connection, head control, wedges, direct control, tempo, rotational control, Kazushi, push, pull, momentum, inside control, dominant angles, force, vectors, breathing, posts, hip control, proxy control, metastability, pressure. Shouts out to the guys in uh, Top Team Jiu-Jitsu where we got a lot of these. love Top Team. Island Top Team and whoever kind of done a lot of the work to, to really distill them and, and, and bring them to the world. But we wanted to run them through our own process that we did before with the behavioral design stuff and the ISM software in an effort to kind of stack rank them and see what comes first. And, um,
0: so it's like, you have these 25 principles? All right, happy days. What do I do now? How do I get better? at? So we thought, and maybe it's just just trying to have a strategy, a stack, like, yeah, yeah, stack ranking is a good word. How do we know which we focus on first, which will allow us uh, be better equipped to focus on the next one or the next set of ones? Right. So it's like you come into jiu somebody's explained all this to you, you have 25 principles. These are what you're going to need to know of your... So all right, what do I do first? Cross collar choke from the mount. <laughs> no. Uh armbar from the guard. Still don't think I've ever got an arm from the
1: guard. So. The, yeah, but just, just to kind of like clarify wh- what we're interested in figuring out is like, if I learn X, uh, it will have value when I go to learn Y. So we're kind of trying to get to the, bottom of the pyramid in a sense and say what is the thing that forms the foundation bottom of which, the
0: pyramid or, or left of the flow chart, yeah
1: which if i learn this it has value for everything else that i learned thereafter and the idea doing, doing that is that when you go to learn those things thereafter you already have a say, more sophisticated approach to that because Whatever it is, yet you're learning, you're building upon something that's already relevant to it.
0: Yeah. So, before we get into the detail, the simple thing here is like, there's no point going into learn jiu jitsu and try and learn an armbar from the guard if you don't understand posture. Now, there probably is some uh, benefit because it's just throwing you in there and you're just figuring out as a new day, first, first day white belt versus trying to explain posture to you. There probably is some benefit to try and do it fail at it, and then understand what you really should be focusing on. But that element aside, it's like, yeah, you know, arm bars from the guard, you're better off understanding posture first to then go and understand what's going on there. But I do think there is benefits, and I see that's why a lot of schools would, on day one, allow people just join class, because there is this benefit in trying to do something, fumbling around the place, getting absolutely destroyed, and then being told after the fact well, the reason you're getting destroyed is because you're you're not using your posture. Whereas if yeah. you tell that fella before you go on to the mat, make sure your posture is good. you be like, yeah, yeah, whatever, good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you almost have to fail at these things a few times to then understand them and then then think about the principles. And that's yeah. probably yeah. why I think uh, it is. It does, you know, white belt is a little bit just trying to stay alive and and figure out as you go and having the feedback with your role and partners and. Mm. But uh, yeah, as we set out now with a bit of a foundation and in, in our blue belt journeys and thinking about where we go from here, it's 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 why we've done this.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is important to say like there's a million ways to skin a cat, and there's a million ways to learn Jiu-Jitsu to a very high level. And this way that we're approaching it works for us, and it may, may not be the best. It may not work for you, but. There's some sense in which I'm not satisfied until I've answered the kinds of question that we're trying to answer here. And the likelihood is that other people are somewhat similarly disposed and maybe get value from it. So, cool. so I, think the, did? I think the interesting thing for us was actually how surprising some of it was certainly so what
0: we're doing so yeah you can we, we we basically threw all these principles in and we asked of each of them it spat out to us and you could do this yourself without the program but it would take you about you know three days but it would say uh <laughs> you can uh, get the program this,
1: we have a link to you can get the program we don't have the online. link we
0: don't have the link we don't have the link
1: well let's set up the link because it's easy to set up
0: all right shout out to on eco behavioral designs after this podcast and you should find a link to it but it's is it is it open source or open source? Is it available for all you people to use?
1: Yeah, you just have to. I forget the name of the actual website, but I've right. set up a website, and you just uh, you have to log in. You have to set up an account, but then you can download the software.
0: All right. So by the time you hear this, this would be available if if you want to do it. So we feed all this in, and then it spits it out. It says, "Is is this uh, before that?"
1: So, well, it just says something like aggravates, right? So it goes, does A aggravate B? We kind of swapped out aggravates for, uh, if I learn a, will it significantly impact my ability to learn B? Yeah. So you might have one where you go, yes, a significantly impacts my ability to learn B. And then it throws up the question, does B significantly impact your ability to learn a, and then you go, no. And then it adds to this kind of matrix, this kind of, um, what would you say? It's a flow chart of sorts. Yeah. It adds your answers to these flow charts, or it adds the, um, the kind of principle that you were addressing to the flowchart in a stacked rank fashion. So it gives you this arrow from what is the most important to the second most important and on and on. Right. So- is that clear enough, do you think? Uh, I think
0: it's clear enough. So, just explain what the it, it spat out. When we fit all that information in, probably took us an hour and a half, maybe, or something like that. And then it spat out a flow chart. And we're looking at a flow chart now, which is also available on the link at Eco Behavioral Designs. Shout outs to the link. <laughs> <laughs> and all right, we're looking at it. So, I'm looking here on the very furthest to the left.
1: Which is the foundation which is the primary principle yeah
0: so this is the first thing out of everything we done the first thing you should be focusing on and it's probably not that much of a surprise breathing <laughs> so yeah. it asked us it must ask us multiple questions you know uh, does your breathing significantly contribute to uh, how you might approach momentum and then it's like does your breathing significantly approach how you might uh uh, approach uh, kazushi and in every question breathing was important there was nothing that became more important than breathing to say like oh you'd be better off learning uh this than than before breathing because i think the crux of what i was saying is like if you if you haven't got your breath work right you're just going to gas and everything's kind of in vain anyways now you could do it and not get your breathing right but you'd be better placed to, to have control of your breathing in all instances in in jujitsu, and um, before you attach attack the next thing,
1: right? And the and the takeaway for us there is, okay. Well, I if if I'm if I want to add kind of value to everything I do hereafter, it's worth my while spending a month where every training I show up to, I'm kind of going, okay. The thing that I'm focused on here, the principle I'm focused on, is thinking about my breath until I habituate that that kind of tendency to just focus on my breath or get it into the place that I need it to be in.
0: And I suppose it's important that we probably are, uh, I I would feel myself that I've already achieved that. So I think I have my good breathwork in place. But for others that might be newer to the game, they mightn't, um, particularly White belts.
1: Right, that's interesting. I, I think I could probably go deeper in that. Like I think my response to say panic situations has developed and evolved but i think my ability to control my breath to the extent that it's maximally effective i just think there's probably more to be explored there
0: that's true that's true so i I digress uh, but i can't imagine what would i do differently within there i suppose be focused on it i know you try to slow it down but i'm never actually thinking about it so yeah maybe it's worth um, well,
1: think about that in musical analogy, right? So, we're saying one question we had for ourselves is like, well, aren't you meant to focus on all of these things at the same time? So, like, you should be, yeah. you should be thinking about bass posture and structure because one of them, apart from the other, is actually, you know, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna be effective. And um,
0: breathing as well, and all of these things, you should be focusing on all of these at the same time. Yeah, would, they're,
1: they're all relevant. And one analogy we thought of to kind of maybe legitimize our effort was well, in music, right, there's a million elements to any piece of music. Say you're playing guitar. Um, one thing you have to be focused on is the rhythm of your right hand. The other thing is your ability to change chords. The other thing is, right, the, say, pressure that you're applying on the chords at a particular time. There's endless kind of components to any simple strumming pattern an and if you try and
0: be, yeah c- c- focus on them all at the same time
1: right and you need to focus them on the, on all of them um to make music right that's just the music needs to uh, reflect an ability in all those areas but if you try and learn them all at the same time forget about it right you really have to just minimize your efforts extract one thing and then focus on that until you Up level a little bit that you can then focus on other things so i I think the point is obvious there i don't want to belabor too much but breathing was the first one the second one which was very interesting and a little less sexy than you know we're kind of open uh was the second thing and it may but it makes perfect sense when you think about it was force vectors dominant angles i think those two things are related but force vectors and dominant angles which is to say that being aware of from the direction from which force has been applied and thinking about getting yourself in a position where you can apply force with a relative, um, advantage. So like you have the dominant angle. So you are aware of your force vector. You're aware of the force vector of the other person and you're shifting your body to be in a better position. Mm. And like normally that's kind of conveyed as a principle lower down the ladder, like of relevance, not that they're not all relevant, but it's not normally thought about as, okay, this is, you know, the primary thing we need to focus on in our, uh, for a month here in, in our training. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's a hundred percent relevant to every situation that you're ever in, in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. and like pulling that out, focusing on that for a month, two months, it's just going to be. I, I I'm excited to see how how valuable it is. I mean, I'm just you know maybe it's not going to up level our game massively, but it sh- it should in a sense. It should and it should give us a good solid foundation.
0: Yeah, and the angles one as well. You know, particularly like you think about uh, closed guard, for instance, and we're we're working that at the moment. Uh, you know, as a white belt, you'd just be thinking about you know keeping your guard closed and. That'd be it, you know, Uh, and breaking the posture. But as you progress, you start to see, well, it's not really much good to you until you start making an angle, you know, and you start to get the, you know, if you're, if you have the dominant angle in the situation, you're, you're, you know, you're by far winning that situation. And usually that dominant angle means, and again, this is usually, uh, means you're facing your opponent in a way that's favorable to you. And they are facing away from you in a way that's not favorable to them. So you're kind of controlling that situation. And, you know, uh, been side on, like on, on uh, in a closed guard with an overhook or something like that is kind of an obvious example of that, where the person is just getting smushed into the ground and posture broken. Uh, but it applies everywhere. It's not just in closed guard. You know, you can think about it when you're uh, standing fa- opposite each other. Uh, if someone... You know, if you're hand fighting, someone's just looking for that angle to maybe come in on a on a double leg or something like that. You're just trying to, mm. you
1: know.
0: Um, but yeah, so that's that was interesting for sure. Uh, keep going think- then, as we as we progress across, just to give a few more examples of of the, the 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 route it took.
1: So yeah, momentum was another one that was the following one. So that's like effectively using the other person's body weight against them or using your own say momentum you know it's obvious enough i guess but yeah again that's something that's normally thought about as way down the ladder even though it's obviously acknowledged as important but push pull where you're kind of setting up tension and release or you're yeah you know doing the opposite
0: similar to momentum i suppose they're kind of used together
1: yeah, used together.
0: But like you say, it's never something that you go in there and focus on. It's something that you're expected to be doing as you progress through your jujitsu and your timing's getting better. It's not something that you're actually good in there. Oh, I want to focus on push pull or I want to focus on momentum. You kind of do it in moments.
1: Um, yeah. And we had kazushi, which is effectively having better relative base and getting somebody out of position out of balance right so like if you think about somebody yeah ideally you want to get somebody in a position where they feel like they're going to tip over because if they're in that position all they're trying to do is protect themselves and then you can exploit that so anyway yeah kazushi was another one
0: it's a cool word as well shout outs to japan (laughs) (laughs)
1: and then yeah, I mean, oh, we don't have
0: to we don't have to bring it the whole way across. So maybe no, some no. pick pick some uh, if you want to have a look at it as I said jump on eco behavioral designs and see the link to this and you can do your own. Um so it'd be interesting to see if other people do it and if they spat it out and they come up with something similar. So
1: yeah, the one thing I, I think about is so like does does this this maybe for the jujitsu nerds out there is dominant angles and say relative alignment where you're thinking about posture-based structure, are they the same thing? I can think of situations where maybe they're not, but then...
0: No, the, I don't think. There's no, there's not, not necessarily any angle or dominant angle in base posture and structure.
1: Structure, there would be like...
0: Not necessarily. Like if you could be bottom of side control, uh, f- you know, flat with with arms and a good protective thing and maybe uh, protection for your head you know, you're, you're stopping the head control.
1: Yeah. But
0: you might, that, that's not necessarily a dominant angle.
1: I suppose, yeah.
0: Get my head control smushed at the moment as well. Shoutouts to my training partners for destroying me.
1: Shoutouts Derek. shout shoutouts. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, <laughs> the other, the other thing we should reflect on is how some things turned out not to matter at all. And we're actually not right. even principles. <laughs> right, this is
0: kind of disappointing, though, and I'm actually going to. I think we should spend a little bit of time on this because. So at the very end of our flowchart was pressure. Now, coming from the uh, starting my jiu-jitsu journey in the the Carlson Gracie school, where pressure is a huge element, is interesting that it came down so far down the line because it's a big part of that top control and there's a lot of people that play a high-pressure game. So maybe we're not fully understanding it, and that's why it's ended up here. Or maybe it's what this chart is saying is that if you have everything else in place, mm. pressure isn't as as important.
1: Well, I think the... the part, well, w- something we thought about, and yeah, it would be interesting to get feedback on this is like, Actually, pr- pressure is a reflection of having everything else in place. You know, it's not like pressure is something over and above all of those other things. It's like when you have all those things in place, you have yeah, good pressure. That,
0: that is true. That's that's probably a better way to think about it. Yeah. If you've got good head control, if you're tight on somebody, if you've got the dominant angle, you know, if you've broken down um, their frames or maybe you're using their frames as levers against them, The I'm sure that person is hating life. Like, they're, they're just, you know, head is smushed into the ground. So there yeah. is, <laughs> there, but like to go out and say, all right, I want you to focus on pressure from the outset is probably, yeah, it's, it's not a thing to do. But, all right, so let me think about that then. So like, but if you think about, if you're playing a pressure passing game, mm. If you don't have pressure in those instances, a lot of those passes are to do with you know keeping heavy pressure and keeping people's hips pinned. But like you say, I suppose we've talked. We talk about in this chat. We talk about hip control and we talk about all these other things, proxy control and things that the pressure is. Anyway, versus going out there and say focus on pressure.
1: Yeah, I think focus on
0: everything else. The pressure will come along.
1: Pressure is almost a a heuristic for a fucking awful lot of stuff that can be more specific, right? Because like. Think about it, an over a good over underpass is good rotational control, good hip control, dominant angles, force yeah. vectors. You know,
0: you're right? Um, I think that's that's what it is. I think pressure. You really need to deep dive on what pressure means, and that then it actually does become. You can play a pressure passing game, but a pressure passing game is just an easy reference. What you're actually saying is, yeah, is you're really controlling the hips. You are maybe really controlling the head depending on where you are you know with, with pushing the head away and really making your body weight you know pushing it down into the right what's it what do we call that you know where you're you're i suppose it's like a meta stability kind of thing is it
1: well i would say it's um
0: dominant angles again
1: yeah dominant angles like the and force vectors the yeah, this is probably yes. one or there's definitely principles we didn't include like if you think about the mental models guys in their podcast they they have a load of models that we could have included as principles in a sense that some of them we didn't but you know they talk about for instance was it the the knife edge or the blade blading for instance yeah. and that's the kind of thing where you're thinking about how do you minimize the area that you're applying to maximize the yeah. pressure within that area but I, I think maybe, again, they're like a couple of rungs down on the ladder of.
0: Right. So what does it all mean So, for you now, next week? What does this all mean?
1: It means breathing. Simple. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. Snap.
1: Like it means going in, playing my game as I've normally been playing. It's still picking up a, as much technique as I can therein. But I'm just thinking breathing
0: yeah yeah so that's excellent that's excellent so here's our our journey for the next while coupled with what we're doing with our our coaches and training partners and our game here's a little kind of reference and you could you could associate time to it you know you could you could uh now it's not bound by time but for, for guidance there's like 12, you know, you could you could put a, a year's timeline along the bottom of this. No, it's probably five years, but...
1: Well, that's the reality, yeah. I think it's it's probably... Not that we should be ignoring th- things towards the latter end of it until five years' time necessarily. And it's, in a way, you're probably better off cycling through it. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. So maybe we should put a, a year's timeline against it as a little frame of reference for what we do over the next year. Like, if you think about it, you know, yeah, it probably is worth cycling through because, well, you could focus on breath work for the three years and just,
1: <laughs> just get, get amazing. Just, well, yeah. Breath work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, Totally Zen. Shout outs to Zen. Uh, but, not good at
1: Jiu <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, so the, the reality is like, by making these things conscious too, having them down and like, we're going to be much more sensitive to all of them than we would have been previously, right? So, just having this flowchart and looking at it every now and again, it's not like you're going to ignore Kazushi and just be like, okay, forget Kazushi, I'll just focus on my breadwork. work. Like if you're in a position where you need to be thinking about Kazushi, you think about Kazushi, but you're not going into class with on
0: 150 that. things to think about.
1: Yeah, you're just going in saying, okay, I, I bring my I bring my attention. And my learning back to Brett work for the next month.
0: And, and that's probably what it is. It's like we, we used examples before of, you know, when you talk, you come to your end, whatever works for you, but if you come to the end of your work day and you're like, all right, what am I focusing on? You might have the element of your game you're working on, you have the, the, the part that you're working on with your coach, and you might have one of these things you're like, all right. And then you remind yourself, today, I want my breaths the slowest they've ever been. Are the most appropriate they've ever been. And you remind yourself again, as you're just about to enter the school in jiu-jitsu, and then as you're just walking on the mat, you forget about everything, and you just get smashed.
1: <laughs> Until you don't, you know, because you've started to yeah. habituate it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the most you can expect from yourself, reasonably. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, I'm kind that's of interested good, man, to see how it unfolds. Yeah, it's it's good.
0: It's good, and like I say, if anybody wants to do their own, or if they've any ideas along these lines, you know, throw it out there.
1: One other thing, I think, like part of the effort here is just having an approach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It could be it could be something else, but this works for us, and it, it satisfies some need in terms of how we're approaching things, and it's logical and it should make sense. So we
0: we'll see where it goes yeah it it's a, it's, a, it's on a journey
1: and uh yeah I mean if people do start applying this, I'd love to hear back on that because i think if if it um has genuine value, which should be like maybe it needs to be done a few more times, maybe we need to like include more principles, but like this is conceivably something that could get to the point where it's relatively universal, you know. It's it's like yes, this thing is more important than that. Therefore, this is higher up in the stack rank, uh, and therefore it exists as a, a valuable contribution to jujitsu. So, it'd be interesting to see if people do do it themselves. If they come up with something different, maybe, you know, maybe we'll evolve it ourselves and realize there's some things that we left out or whatever. Yeah, boy. Yeah,
0: audio. We'll uh, leave it there. We'll see you back here for the finale for this season.
1: Yeah, if you want to get in touch, Instagram is probably the easiest, or Twitter. Uh, Twitter, Mark M James, and the Eco Design. Tss. No. Oh man! Oh man! Oh, stop! Stop!
0: Stop! 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 That's terrible.
1: Okay, just tell me there, and I'll do it again. You can cut out that bit.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not cutting it out now. have to eco behavioral designs on Instagram.
1: Yeah, eco behave design at Gmail. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was you said going designs. for. I was fucking, I was looking at your eyes, waiting for some sort of reaction, and then I've <laughs> extended it to an S.
0: Do you know your own phone number?
1: I do. yeah. Just throwing out random numbers there. I don't know why I never get a text back. (laughs) Jesus, not that tragic over here.
0: (laughs) Right, y'all. Peace out.
1: Peace.